Welcome to the Girl on Top Shallon XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the past week. And today, we're going to be talking about how to spot a healthy relationship, whether or not you should call out a guy who ghosts, and how to get comfortable with a past you're not so proud of. And a reminder, if you want to chat privately with me, find me on the Instant Go app. My username is ShallonXO and click chat to get connected. Also, be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. So Mateo left me this question. Yes, ladies, we have a question from a real live boy and not just a boy, a straight boy. They're pretty rare around my channel. So when I get one from a straight guy, I'm like, whoa. And so you might be thinking like, well, I don't really want to hear from dudes because I'm a chick and I have chick problems. But I think his question is going to resonate with a lot of you. Okay, so he said, hi, Shallon, this is Mateo. I'm a 25 year old male and I think you're smoking hot. You know, I had to include that. He said, I come from a Latino immigrant, lower class family, and I think that when it comes to dating, I have a lot of insecurities because of where I come from. I've had to make a massive effort to educate myself and climb the social and financial ladder almost to a fault and continue to work hard to better myself. I resent sometimes having to compete against other guys who've just inherited a lot of their successes and have significantly more resources and advantages as a result of, you know, just being who they are, whereas... I'm an immigrant and constantly have to fight hard for my resources and really build myself from scratch, as in my family resources have just always been really scarce. A lot of the times I feel tired from the extreme stress I put myself through and really feel like my relationships suffer as a result because I'm just unable to channel my energy and resources effectively. Also, American women can be really shallow and it can be hard to compete with other dudes who have more financial stability. So my question is, how do I stay positive and motivated without feeling resentful of others who've had it easier, and how can I break through the shallowness? I'm fit, athletic, tall. I know, right, ladies? But I realize that many other men are also, and they have many more resources. Also, should I even be chasing women in my 20s? I think girls are very entitled and don't realize how much it takes for a guy like me to take her out on trips or to Nobu for sushi in exchange for, like, my time and occasionally sex. I have so many ambitions as a first generation. I want a house, houses, plural, in LA. I want a great six-figure career, and I want my parents to be well off, and I also want my kids to be set for life. So how do I work through these hurdles and remain strong in times of loneliness? So the reason I'm answering this question is because I want to talk about origin stories, right? So this is what I think. So I was like, oh, Mateo, go on. <laughs> I said, go on, Mateo. But I definitely understand where you're coming from. I live in New York City and I'm constantly surrounded by these rich bitch Long Island girls whose dad basically handed them everything, whereas I came from a single parent family and I've worked my entire life to overcome that stereotype. Like, that's why I was a virgin till I was almost 22 is because I didn't want to be that like slutty girl with the single mom, like just that typical cliche. So I was student body president. I was prom queen. Like I was working as hard as I possibly could to buck the trend and basically I understand all of this and every single thing that I've done, I alone have earned. And I used to feel really ashamed about that too. Like, honestly, I still do kind of not even like a shame, but like you said, like a bitterness and a resentfulness that some people have had it so easy. But one thing I've learned is that we cannot change our past and we can't change our upbringing. 
you know? And of course, it would be nice to have grown up in the lap of luxury. And believe me, I see plenty of people like that. But in so many ways, these people are completely screwed. Like either they've never developed a personality because they've quite simply never had to, you know, they were just attractive or rich. They were just automatically popular. And their work ethic is kind of the same. Sure, like they can pay their bills or whatever, but what are their dreams? What are their goals? And even if they have them, do they have any real world experience in going after them and executing these things? A phrase that I love is that there is freedom in restraint. Our circumstances, me and Mateos, forced us to have grit and gratitude and to be very creative with how we got to the top. Trust fund babies, they never had to use these emotional muscles, you know, and that's why so many of them end up languishing or getting into drugs or just kind of flailing around, not doing much. The rich kids of Instagram, they have almost too many options and they drown in them. They drown in the lack of accountability. The things that I've accomplished, I've achieved because I simply had no other choice. I remember my first editorial job, I had gotten laid off from my waitressing job when I got fired, like the day before. And I was like, I am making, I am getting this job at this magazine. I'm getting it. There is no other option. And I went in there guns a-blazing. So I got creative. And in creativity is freedom inside those restraints. You see what I mean? And that, my friend, is what makes a leader. Leaders are people like who leaders are not people who have everything automatically given to them because they have no wisdom you know people like that they have no depth they have nothing to share they're followers of the highest degree they're just sheep following what their parents already laid out for them and it really doesn't command a lot of respect you know like you might envy them but like do you want to hear what they have to say about the world no do you trust their judgment probably not and that's why those people kind of hang out in their own circles they really don't want to be held up against people like us because people like us are the American dream. We are the great success stories. They're just babies. So it's important to reframe all of your experiences from something negative and to be resentful to something incredibly positive. My origin story is my favorite story. And when you reframe it in a positive light, people start responding to that differently also. When you lead with that story instead of shying away from it, you're gonna find the kind of girls who also appreciate that hard work and that attitude. But if you're downplaying it, you're going to give off a vibe of self-loathing. And that is only going to attract bad people who are willing to exploit that self-loathing for weakness and for their own gain and for dinners at Nobu. So girls, if you're listening to this, like I know a lot of you guys have had like shameful origin stories or shameful things in your past. And like we can't erase it, but we can reframe it. That's going to help us deal with it. It's going to help us turn it into a positive thing and a learning experience, which is the only way we grow and move on. And like I said, it's going to attract people who respond positively to people who have gone out there, lived, and learned. This next question comes from Cassie, and it's basically a question I get from you guys a lot, which is about ruining things. Hey, Shallon, I recently met this guy through a mutual friend, and we've seen each other a few times out and about here in NYC, and we've been talking a lot through text, and he seems really into me. So I intended on dating him, but last night we both got a little too drunk and ended up hooking up, not sex though, at my place after. Do you think I've ruined my chances? So... I don't think you ruined your chances or I don't think you ruined anything because 
I'm not sure there was really something to ruin to begin with. So hear me out. Listen, you guys live in the same city. You obviously have a rapport going over text. He knows where to find you. My theory is that if a guy wants to ask you out and date you in a legitimate way, he makes that very, very clear, very clear. He doesn't settle for just texting you endlessly and hooking up. I mean, you know, if hooking up happens, that's fine. But remember, he wasn't asking you out on proper dates before that. And I'm kind of like reading between the lines. Like, I didn't hear you say, oh, he took me out on this great date and like set all these plans ahead of time. Mm, I kind of got the feeling it was just a casual chill. So it's not like you've been rejecting his quality advances and categorizing yourself as the good time girl. He might be the one doing that because he himself is just the good time guy, you know? I've had to learn the hardest of hard ways, the hardest always of hard ways, <laughs> that men are really are hardwired to be hunters. And if a hunter sees something he wants, he goes after it immediately. He doesn't bide his time. He doesn't wait months or even weeks or days because he knows that if he doesn't go after this prize, this girl, some other hunter will. And if he doesn't go after her, either he doesn't really care if he gets her or worse, he doesn't believe that she has enough value to be hunted by someone else. That's pretty insulting. So I would recategorize this guy from a really great quality boyfriend type to kind of a fuckboy. Maybe the good guy fuckboy, you know, where it's like they're not wasting your time on purpose and they're not playing you necessarily, but they either don't have the ability or the interest to take it to the next level. So in that sense, no, you didn't ruin anything. He should be the one worried about whether or not he's ruined things with you. Like how soon you sleep with someone honestly doesn't have a ton of bearing on how the relationship pans out. Like don't go into every date being like, we're going to bone the first time we ever hang out. Like don't do that. It will muddy the waters because you'll get your body involved. And look, women are bonders. We're meant to bond with the people we sleep with. You know, it's we're human beings. And so then you're going to get all that chemistry in there and you're not going to be able to analyze the person or their intentions objectively. So in that sense, it's good to hold out a little while. But like, I hooked up with a guy like the first night I our first date basically when it, we ended up dating for a year but the biggest fuck boy I was ever involved with we never did sleep together like is that not wild because I was like holding out and trying to do all this machination like it really doesn't make much of a difference because if a guy's into you he's going to be into you no matter what you know and if if you sleep with him and that like ruins things then he doesn't understand that women have dimensionality he doesn't understand that you can be the girlfriend type but also kind of want to get laid and if he doesn't understand that like he's not the viable one not you so if he's just a fuck boy who's out to use you as an emotional fidget spinner and is like oh she put out now i'm done there was no amount of holding out that could have turned that hoe into a housewife So this next question comes from Lucilla, and she has a question about green flags. And of course, we talk a lot about red flags, but what about the green ones? So she said, Shannon, basically, I recently started dating someone after two full years of being single and working on myself and making myself the person I'd want to be with instead of just being with the guy that I'm with. And it's so different now that I'm dating in this better headspace because my boyfriend is completely different than what I imagined he would be. Like, I'm super bubbly, extroverted, go-getter type. And he's really calm and kind of shy, but not too shy that he couldn't ask me out. He could. 
and just not who I pictured myself with. And I don't know. I just want to make sure I'm in a good headspace. And this isn't me just jumping into something because I've been single for a while. You know what I mean? But he has a lot of green flags. He's putting in the effort. When I'm with him, I'm so happy and we talk so much every day. And he plans things and he really makes me feel like I'm a priority. But the red flags are from my end. Where, like, when I'm not talking to him, I'll compare him to the other guys I've dated, especially the dude who I had the most trouble getting over. And this is the first relationship as well. Sorry, this is his first relationship as well. So I don't know if that's a significant, like, data point in any way. I've managed to contain all of my doubts and, like, not overthinking this, at least in front of him, and not let him be affected by it. But I basically just need to get a third-person perspective on my shy guy and maybe let me know if I'm being dumb. Oh, and by the way, my parents are pressuring me to get married, so I don't know if that's affecting my perception of things also. Ugh. All right. Well, I'm super proud of you for taking the time to work on yourself, and I think it's directly impacting the relationship you're having now, but in a good way, which you might not be able to see from inside of it. That's why I'm here. So when we take time for ourselves, we're drawn to relationships that we need. Whereas when we have the self-esteem issues, all of that, the confidence things, you know, the spirals, we go for relationships we want or that we think we want, the ones we think are going to save us from something. The popular guy, the fuck boy, Mr. Unattainable, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of like food. Like when you're stressed and you're having a craving, it's always for something unhealthy, you know? So you end up reaching for a bag of Skittles and making yourself completely sick by the time you've eaten an entire thing, right? But when you can pause in a non-stressed moment and observe your hunger in a normal way, you realize that you actually want something healthy and nourishing. So you have a steak. And I'm sure that this relationship feels super different. You've basically been on junk food and now you're having something nutritious. So you can't compare him to past relationships because, hello, those past relationships didn't work out. A steak is never going to taste like the Skittles. That's the whole point. It's going to give you something deeper and broader and more meaningful that's going to sustain you in a more substantive way. And I'm, I'm not saying that this guy has to be your true love and you got to stay with him forever. Like only you can know whether or not your inner voice is a leftover from the days of you dating a douchebag and you making those fear-based decisions, or if it's your intuition. But I do know the difference between those two voices. Anxiety is screaming, it's manic, it's shrill and hysterical, and it invades when you're stressed, when you're tired, when you're not feeling confident, it's stalking you. And it stalks you in the shadows. And the moment you're vulnerable, here it is! Intuition is calm. It's steady. It's Oprah's voice. And you hear it at all times if you just give it the room to be heard. It doesn't prey upon you in your weakest moments. If anything, it's the loudest when you're doing things right, when you're doing things that you're passionate about, when you're following curiosity, when you're learning, when you're being kind to people, when you're being mindful and pausing and not looking at your phone all the goddamn time and looking around at the birds. That's when you hear that clarity. That's when you get that voice. I mean, for your parents, just ignore them. Our parents' generation, their views on marriage is like marriage is safety, you know? And so instead of being like, I'll find a guy, go straight to that safety concern. Be like, I am safe. I am happy. I am on the path that I want to be on. And I don't need a husband. I'm okay the way I am. And if they keep banging on about it, I mean, simply refuse to keep continuing the conversation. I don't let people talk to me about things I don't want to talk about. And I don't care if it's a parent, if it's a friend, if it's a boyfriend, if it's a cashier at Rite Aid. 
I'm not having these conversations. And I don't just walk away. I said, look, I'm not having this conversation. I don't feel comfortable talking about it. I've, I've communicated my position. I've communicated why this is upsetting to me. And if you keep insisting on having it, I can only deduce that you were purposely trying to upset me. Are you? I don't think that you are. So let's just drop it and move on, right? Put the ball in their court. Be like, well, what is your goal here? To get me upset? To estrange yourself from me? So, bleh. Put up those boundaries. And like the bottom line with parents, like they lived their life the way they wanted to. They made the decisions they wanted to. And if they didn't, if they made the decisions their parents wanted them to make, well, tough shit. That's their choice. You weren't even born yet. You know, you have the right to live your life the way you want to. Because at the end of the day, only you will have to live inside the consequences of a bad marriage, not your parents. So this next question is kind of a follow-up to something we talked about on a podcast last week. So maybe you'll recognize it. Okay, so Sonia says, I'm currently single and starting a very stressful PhD program. I want to date, but sometimes worry that my workload might ruin my dating life or any drama might ruin my work, you know? Also in the initial phase, going on first dates with so many people just makes me feel like it's a huge waste of time. What are your thoughts regarding this? Okay, so if you guys remember, like last week, maybe the week before, I honestly, these all kind of blur together sometimes, but like I talked about the girl who said that she was dating a guy basically in the exact same position. Like he was a PhD candidate or something of that nature, medical school, and she was basically a girlfriend of convenience, like totally on the back burner. He had no emotional bandwidth for her, and she was just really, really frustrated. So this is what I said to Sonia. I think you're right to be worried about the workload aspect because look, dating really does take a lot of energy and you have to consider someone's schedules, what they want in the future, what you want, what you both truly need from a romance, even just things like your biorhythms. Like imagine if you have one day a week to sleep in and their ass is up at 6 a.m. Like, let's go make our own granola. Infuriating, you know, like it really is a thing you have to have time for. Love is logistics. And right now, maybe your logistics don't align with having a significant relationship. I mean, I do think it's telling that you find the dating process, the early dating process, exhausting. Like that kind of signifies to me, maybe you want to go straight to the sweatpants and Chinese food phase, you know, where there's less maintenance involved. I actually find that phase, like the long-term dating phase, requires so much more maintenance because like look if they have a bad day bitch you gotta listen they got a problem with their parents you're right up in there there's a family wedding guess who's going no matter what like you your lives are bonded I like the early dating process I've always liked dating people hate it but like it's fun it's stimulating it's unpredictable like newness and novelty is the name of my game I'm kind of a commitment foe but that's not what we're talking about today so yeah I'm thinking now about this topic from last week, like how crappy that girl felt that her boyfriend was just kind of like slotting her in and she was just sort of an emotional seat filler, you know? And I've been on that end, and I think a lot of us have, where we just don't have the emotional bandwidth for someone. And when they want something, even if it's minor, we're like, ugh, what? What do you need now? What is it? And it sucks to feel that way, and it certainly sucks to be on the receiving end of that. 
So maybe take some time and see how this PhD program actually goes. Like once it's underway, once you have a schedule, once you know your rhythms and what you can fit into your relationship, I'm sorry, your life, you can see what kind of relationship you want. As for the exhaustion of dating, like that's just kind of how it goes, unless you really want to lower your standards and to the point that you'll basically take the next guy who walks through the door. Dating is like fishing. You have to cast your line out again and again before you're going to hook the big one. This question comes from Susie. And girls, you're going to feel her pain. So she said, hey, Shallon. So I've been talking to someone for two months. We went on dates. I went to his house. I met his friends. We've had sex. He even invited me to his family's house for brunch a few weeks back, but I couldn't go. Anyway, we never really talked about being an item or what the future holds, but for us, we were definitely attracted to each other and liked each other's company. I started to realize he wasn't really for me, though, when I noticed he works too much and is OCD. He just doesn't sit still and he can't relax and know how to have fun. And it's like, okay, well, this is getting a little blah. I saw him Sunday, texted him Monday, never heard back from him. He ghosted me, and I'm just mad that he didn't respect me enough to end it properly. I don't want him back. I don't want anything, and I don't have feelings anymore, but it hurt my freaking ego. Should I say anything to him, To him, or should I just let it go? Ugh. Ugh. I hate these situations, these situationships. The red flag to me was that he used the verb talking to you instead of dating. You know, and then you proceed to describe all the things you guys do together, which would basically fall under the category of dating. You know what I mean? It's like, so he's getting basically a girlfriend, a.k.a. an emotional support system, an emotional fidget spinner, an ego booster, sex, someone to parade in front of his family. But he's not giving you anything back in terms of commitment. And like I said, I have been down this road before. And when I look back, I got there by doing so much of the chasing and I was the one like who would message him first. I would suggest our first hangout or at the very least, like I would twist my entire schedule and preferences to meet his needs, like meeting at a bar near his house. Oh, gee, what do you think that led to? What a mystery. And then you get caught in that passive reciprocation loop. And I know I bring this up like constantly, but it needs to be repeated like constantly because we all get caught in it. And like, yeah, they'll text you back. Sure, they'll meet up. But they're not exactly chasing you. They're not courting you. And then one day they just fade away. And you're like, oh my God, what changed? What changed? Nothing. They weren't pursuing you then and they're not pursuing you now. They just stopped the passive reciprocation. They just stopped picking up the phone and just let it ring. But that might not be the case here. You know, maybe he really was full steam ahead. But the red flag is that he never defined the relationship. I said this earlier. (laughs) Guys are hunters. And that's what they're hardwired to do. And if he doesn't go after what he wants, he knows another hunter will. So if he doesn't, if he doesn't step up and make sure that you know you belong to him and only him, it's because they either don't care or they don't see you as having enough value to get hunted. And like, I don't blame you for being upset. Like, and I always say like closure is the thing we have to give to ourselves, you know, because if a guy that we need closure from was able to give it to us, we wouldn't need it in the first place. You know what I mean? Like he would be mature enough. He would be communicative enough that we weren't in this position of just like agony and confusion and 
open-ended misery. But, you know, we are. However, I am starting to be of the mindset that like, you know what? I'm fucking tired of letting people get away with stuff. I'm tired of it. Because my theory is like, if you're going to break my heart, you can stand an ouchie of a conversation, a text message that you don't like, you know? And like, I know you don't want to let him know that you care, but you do care. And girls like so often get caught up this in this obsessive need to look chill. Just so chill. I'm so chill. I'm unbothered. I'm so chill. I don't care about anything. I fucking do care. I care if people waste my time. I care if they waste my emotions, if they disrespect it and throw it back in my face. Why is that such a bad thing? Why do we consider that weak when someone wastes our time? That's weakness? What are you talking about? No, it isn't. You go to the DMV and people are like, God, I wasted five hours. And you're like, yeah, I get it. You're not like, well, you're a fucking weakling. It's like, what? What on earth do those two things have to do with one another? You know? Like if you if you throw a nice party for someone and they're like, well, I hate it. You're like, well, you're an asshole. Like you're not like, oh, I can't let this look like it bothers me. Otherwise people will think I'm weak. You know, like we have to stop thinking that about ourselves. And really, it's coming from society. This is the patriarchy. Because what what word do we hear whenever we stand up for ourselves? Crazy. She's crazy. Don't listen to that crazy slut. So we, we minimize, we shrink, we dial down what we need, and we don't speak up for ourselves because I don't want to be called crazy. You know what, bitch? I am crazy. I'm the craziest person on any subway that I ever ride on. I might not look it. But I am. And I'm especially crazy if you, like I said, you waste my time and you waste my emotions. Because when we don't call people out, and look, let me just say up front. There's a difference between like saying your piece and moving on and like saying it, hoping it's going to get a reaction and you're going to stay connected to the situation. Do you know what I mean? Like the opposite of love isn't hate, it's apathy. And yes, We have to try to cultivate that apathetic standpoint so that we can move forward and not, we just have to make sure that we're not calling people out and confronting them with the agenda of trying to get back together with the hope of that. Because I know when you get ghosted, you just want something. I mean, you just want some communication, like, because what? Just what the fuck happens? And like, honestly, I'll take an argument over silence. At least you're paying attention to me. So really ask yourself like okay if I th- if I'm telling myself I'm after closure like am I or am I just trying to get this guy back I really think Susie just like does not want him back like she sounds like she's in a healthy headspace so like I think calling him out is okay because if we don't it tells guys that their behavior is fine and ghosting is the coward's tool and when we call them out like because what they're telling themselves is it's fine she doesn't care she wasn't into it either this is no big deal. That's how they justify their actions. So if we come at them with a different point of view, maybe we can stop ghosters. I mean, probably not. Assholes are assholes. You can't change them. So if there's no consequence, not a lot of things are going to change. And it's not going to change for you because if a guy ghosts you once, he's going to ghost you again. He just will. Like, I remember reading, like, if you get cancer once, like, it's probably going to come back. You know, it might not kill you, but it'll probably come back the same with ghosting like it it's a cancer on the relationship that's how they interact with the world that's the level of respect they have for you and females in relationships and it's just going to keep happening 
And I also, like, I think, I, I mean, personally, I like to send like that icky call out text because look, I don't want someone sniffing around again. I don't want them haunting my inbox. And every time I pick up my phone, I'm like, is today the day they're gonna come like, I'm the ghost of fuckboy pass. Ah, it's me, whoa. Get the fuck out of here, you had your chance. The best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. So if someone ghosts once, like I said, they're gonna keep on ghosting. So you have every right to call this guy out. And this is what you say. You say, you know what? After two months, I would think that at the very least, we would be friends. And I would expect a friend to treat me better than you did, to have the decency and courtesy to tell me you were leaving. But you didn't. And now I can see the kind of person you really are. And honestly, I feel like I dodged a bullet. Your behavior is embarrassing and it's immature. I'm cringing just thinking about the time I spent with you and the attention that I gave to someone of your low caliber. Yikes. I'm glad this is over because clearly we were never in the same class. If you're going to call them out, shame needs to be your weapon. Shame, shame. Not even you're shaming them. You want to convey that you're ashamed of yourself for giving them a chance because that will shame them by proxy. You want to lower them. They want to minimize us and call us crazy? Oh, we can call them flaccid and unworthy, a shriveled dick of a man, a tiny wan turtle without a shell. This needs to be our weapon. This needs to be how we gaslight men because I'm sick of it. So make it short, make it not so sweet, say your piece, and then absolutely block the number. This is not a dialogue. You don't want his feedback. You certainly don't want him to come back with something like, you're fucking crazy. Nope. I say it. It's like a letter. You mail it and then you never think about it again. So get in, get out, and get on with your life. That's all for this week, Shaloners. Thanks for tuning in. And like I said, if you have a love question of your own that you need some help on, find me on the Instant Go app and click chat to get connected right away. Also, find me on YouTube, Shallon Lester. Click like and subscribe for new videos every Friday and a bunch in between. And be sure to follow me on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter at ShallonXO. Stay savage. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.